the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. This episode of Magic Markets is brought to you by Westbrook Alternative Asset Management, South Africa's leading provider of alternative investment funds and co-investment strategies. With over 8 billion Rand in assets under management across South Africa, the UK and the USA, Westbrook provides South African high net worth individuals, wealth managers and institutions with a unique gateway to the world of alternative investments. This includes private debt, hybrid capital, real estate, private equity and venture capital. Visit westbrook.co.za to find out more. Westbrook Alternative Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider, FSP number 46750. Welcome to episode 59 of Magic Markets, and it's a really exciting one for us this week because we get to introduce to you, as our listeners, a brand spanking new brand partner on the show, and we're really excited about this. It is Westbrook, which is a name that many of you may well know already, but I think there's so much more to this business than most people think, and uh, we're really excited to unpack that. But before I welcome our guest from Westbrook, Mo, hello from a very cold Canada. You've been prolific on Twitter talking about snow and all your other first world problems, literally. Yeah, Ghost, always a pleasure. And uh, it's because there's so much shade being thrown this way. I had to share that there's some upside to living in the frigid north. Uh, even if that upside is, is is clawing your way out of snow just to get out of your front door. Uh, I did post a very cool picture of a frozen waterfall because this weekend, that's something I did. I've never seen a frozen waterfall before. So we took a hike out, pretty treacherous, very exciting uh, with the kids, loved it. And I posted that on Twitter. It honestly goes down one of the most cool stuff I've done, literally and figuratively, in uh, in a long time. But uh, yeah, it goes to pleasure. And super excited to be chatting to, to Dino and uh, the guys at Westbrook. Ghost, uh, I don't know if you want to run through uh, our listeners through a quick intro of uh, who our guest is today. Yeah, so Dino Zuclo, you might have seen him in oh, everywhere. Dino, you write all over the place. I must say you're very active with that kind of thing. And it's really cool to have you on the show. And the, the funny story here is that Dino reached out to me as a, as a finance ghost reader, I suppose, not realizing that we went to varsity together. And when I saw his name pop up in my inbox, I thought, oh, this is going to be funny because I know who he is and he has no idea who the finance ghost is. <laughs> So it, it was, uh, I took a lot of joy from going back to you, Dino, and saying, ah, I know who you are, but uh, you don't realize who I am. I do recall that very well, specifically the fact that you didn't tell me any more than where we were meeting for a good probably week to 10 days prior to the meeting. And it was, it, yeah, it was a very interesting meeting because it was always that case of, I wonder who is going to walk through the door. So Dino, let's talk, uh, let's talk Westbrook. Let's talk alternatives. Take us through a little bit maybe about about Westbrook as a whole. I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, sure. And Ghost Mo, thanks for having me and to everyone listening to this podcast. Hope you find it interesting. Thank you for listening. 
Westbrook's story is one that starts in the early 2000s. The business was initially established as an investment entity that would do private equity. And we did that for many years. We, you know, we started life as a business that wanted to take controlling stakes in businesses in South Africa and later abroad and grow them as most private equity investors do. But what, you know, what happens in time is as one does more and more deals, friends and family and people close to the group start to ask if they can participate alongside you in some of the things that you're doing. And then you turn around and all of a sudden what you've got is a business that's got investors and investments. And you realize then that you start to look and sound and feel a little bit more like an asset manager than you do a private equity investor only investing your own capital. So anyway, in, in the early 2012, 2011-12, Westbrook Alternative Asset Management was born out of Westbrook, with the only difference being that in Westbrook Alternative Asset Management, what we do is we invest our own group and shareholder money in alternatives that we find to be interesting. But the distinction is that we bring clients along for the ride. And I think that's a very important distinction, guys, because we see ourselves first and foremost as investors and second as asset managers. And we can get into the difference because I think the, your goals and objectives in those two, in those two instances are, aren't the same. What, you know, fast forward to today, 2022, Westbrook is now an 8 billion uh, asset under management business. We focus on investing in alternatives and I'm sure we'll get more into what they are in a second. We have a head office in Johannesburg, but we also have a relatively big presence in the UK where we have an office and excitingly recently opened an office in the United States as well. That's that, that's very exciting. I mean, you, you raised something quite cool. And before we even go into the, the whole description of the various alternatives and where you guys play, I, I want to pick up on that point you mentioned around the difference between asset managers and investors. And the reason I want to pick up on that point almost primarily is because on the show, we've spent a lot of time both in this show as well as in Magic Markets Premium discussing the liquid markets. It's very different to the alternatives markets. And even in the liquid listed space, you know, it's, it's, there's a distinction between the psychology behind being an investor or being a trader. And in this instance, for example, being an investor and being, as you say, an asset manager. So maybe take us through your thinking on that. How are those distinct concepts in your world insofar as how you position that to your clients and also how it influences how you go and place money? Yeah, no, look, and, and the truth, Mo, is that these concepts, even though we're investing in different things at the underlying, the concepts are true of most asset management uh, constructs. So, I mean, wh why do asset managers generally invest money? They invest money to make, to make income and that income is charged by way of fees. Now, the, the question you've got to ask when investing money is, if you put your hat on as an asset manager and your primary goal is to charge fees, then you are going to be incentivized to invest in places where you can charge the highest fees and you're going to most likely be incentivized to invest in places where your clients want to go, irrespective of whether or not you think that that's a good place to invest. Because, hey, if your clients want to go there, they'll give you their money. And if they give you their money, you can charge a fee. The, the subtlety with being an investor, first and foremost, is that we put our capital or anyone who is, you know, has the mindset of being an investor, we put our money in next to our clients. And so the, the considerations are a bit different. The considerations aren't necessarily where can I get the biggest amount of assets so that I can charge the most fees. It's where are the areas that I want to invest my money? Where are the gaps in the market that I think the risk-adjusted return profile of a particular investment 
are the highest. And then the secondary consideration is, well, do we think that that would appeal to clients? And if so, which type of a client? The one is more driven by the investment fundamentals of the particular thing that you're investing into. And the other is driven a little bit more by considerations around scalability and the ability to charge, frankly. Yeah, so here you're investing alongside the managers as opposed to letting them manage your money, which from an alignment perspective and just absolute basics and common sense certainly makes a lot of sense to me. Do you know, I think that uh, the Westbrook name was synonymous for a long time with the sort of Section 12J structures. Uh, I think if you sort of Mm. brought Section 12J up in a room, uh, Westbrook really was a brand that, that everyone kind of knew was involved there. And the trick here is that the Westbrook business is way beyond just section 12J. And I think that's a big part of the stories that we'll be telling on Magic Markets and what we'll be able to learn about. But I think on this first show, it would actually be great to just spend a few minutes talking about you know that 12J history, I suppose, within Westbrook, and then particularly how the business has, has grown beyond that so much. So section 12J, you know, it, it was an interesting story because it's a good example of the point we were just discussing now, where the background is is interesting. We as a group had a large capital gain as a consequence of the sale of a local investment. And, um, you know, as one does, you look for tax efficient ways to invest your money. And we came across this concept of Section 12J or the Venture Capital Company regime, as it was called. And we realized that it was something that actually worked. We scratched around. We were, we were relatively early to the space. We did uh, went in for a few rulings with SARS, contacted some tax counsel and so on and so forth, and invested in the early formative years of our Section 12J journey a large amount of our own money on the back of this transaction in the space. Since then, our 12J business grew you know, very, very quickly. That was 2016. We're now actually already exiting investors from our section 12j funds so we we're out of the capital raising mode and into the exiting and what do we do with the money when it comes back world i mean what was section 12j is it was based out of a set of rules in the united kingdom called the venture capital trust rules and effectively what they did is they gave investors a tax deduction for investing in funds that met defined criteria and those criteria went along the lines of promoting smmes creating jobs and so on and so forth the business grew quickly, I suppose, as a consequence of a variety of things, right time, right place, the attraction that not paying tax has to the ordinary you know, person on the street. And, and I would like to think some cleverness around how we invested and where we invested in the sectors into which we invested as a business. You're right, Ghost, the, the Section 12J brand became synonymous with Westbrook primarily as a conscious choice on our part. We, we took the business quite widely to a, let's call it more retail investor base. Whereas a lot of the other things that we do as a business and have been doing long before Section 12J haven't yet or are only now in the process of being taken out more retail. And, and there's reasons for that. You know, products need time to, to germinate and to grow, but also there's some legislative impediments around uh, illisted unregulated products, which effectively is what alternatives are and how, how widely you can communicate that. So yes, today, you know, we, we are about 3 billion rand under management in 12J. We're about an 8 billion rand under management business. But what 12J has been for us is it's been an unbelievable way to build out competencies in asset classes that will hopefully continue long beyond 12J. 12J is not an asset class. You know, you don't like 
you, you get you get uh, hospitality and you get education and you get asset rentals. 12J is just a clever capital raising mechanism. But the fact that we invest in student accommodation or the fact that we do, you know, asset rentals will be something we do for a long time after 12J has ended, which, you know, is, is the situation we find ourselves in. Now, Dino, I want to jump in here because I, I think the point you make is so important is 12J was something that was just there as a as a tax incentive to get people into the alternative space. Uh, and I think, you know, if we focus on that too narrowly, it detracts from the fact that alternatives are a very exciting, very large universe. Uh, I mean, you've touched on it where, you know, 12J kind of focused on, for example, accommodation or there was a lot of kind of clean energy stuff that went into their filling stations, feed lots, etc. You know, that's kind of what a lot of guys did in the 12J space. Talk to us about the stuff that Westbrook has outside of that. I mean, talk to us about just the asset class mix. Talk to us about maybe just at a very high level, the, the geographic mix. You know, are you guys South Africa specific or do you look broader than that? I think that's very important uh, to set the base for where these discussions go uh, in terms of outlining Westbrook's thinking and where you're seeing the opportunities. Yeah. And, and maybe if I may, Mo, to start before that, I think it's useful to position you know, what the difference is between an alternative and, and the vanilla, because it's a concept that is used quite a lot, but it's not necessarily something that many understand. In fact, I'm not a huge fan of the word alternative. It is the globally accepted word for the, the asset classes that we invest into. But, you know, I feel like the word alternative is often associated with a bit of a negative stigma. You say, ah, oh, that person's quite alternative. I'm not sure that necessarily is a good thing all the time, right? But uh, what is an alternative? Well, the world of investing that we've known for you know for for the for the better part of most of our lives and the listeners listening today is you have cash or you have some form of debt instrument and then you have equities right and the traditional you know logic and thinking and and consensus around how one invests is a combination in the classic 60/40 portfolio whichever direction you want it to be in right you invest in equities and you invest in cash we, we're in this very, very interesting world at the moment where equities have tracked upwards for decades and are trading at all-time highs, and interest rates around the world are at all-time lows. And what used to happen is if equities were seen as toppish, you would recycle into debt and get nice yields from it. But now you can't do that because interest rates are zero and vice versa. So what is an alternative? Well, broadly speaking, an alternative is anything other than the traditional investment mechanisms. So where, for example... It make buying a bond is the traditional. The making of a private loan is the alternative. Where buying a REIT stock, a listed REIT stock on an exchange is the traditional. The direct acquisition of a property or investing in a direct property fund is the alternative. And that goes a whole spectrum. Things like private equity fits in there, infrastructure fits in there. The big B that I, that I don't like to talk about too much because I'm not an expert, but Bitcoin is probably something that fits in there. And it's become one of the key conversations in the, world, in the world of investing at the moment because, frankly, clients are looking for something different and they are worried that what happens when the world starts to correct, equities come off. The word correlation is fundamental here because what you're looking for in an alternative is to make an investment that is uncorrelated to the rest of what you're investing into. So you and Ghost are going to no doubt you know, explain to the listeners a variety of equities that, despite what I'm talking about, are still attractive to invest into. But investors and clients need to start thinking, well, what happens if 
things move in a way that I don't want? Should my whole portfolio move in that direction? Or do I want something to protect me? Now, what do we do as Westbrook? We don't play in what I would refer to as the more fringe alternative stuff that's newer and ritzier and frankly higher risk. And by the way, that's another common misconception that investing in alternatives doesn't necessarily mean a higher risk. It just means that what you're investing into is generally unlisted, illiquid, and less regulated. But if you're investing with a good manager, you can protect that. So we focus on the four pillars that we see to be slightly less risky. And in the order of risk versus return, that by and large is private debt. Then we have a business called hybrid capital, which I'll explain in a second. We then do real estate. That's direct real estate equity. So investing in equity in properties as opposed to you know, buying debt or making loans into property. And then the fourth pillar in our business is private equity slash venture capital. And across those four pillars, we offer clients a variety of solutions. Some of them are funds, some of them are co-investment products, some of them are open-ended, which means you can buy and sell all the time. Some of them are closed-ended, which means they're like lock boxes that are open for five years. Um, and we do that uh, cross-jurisdiction in our core you know, areas of focus. So South Africa, the UK, and a little bit of Europe, and the United States. And it's amazing how that name alternative comes through, because just talking about you know Bitcoin, the other coins are called altcoins, which is just amazing, exactly. right? So it's like Bitcoin's the norm, you know, depending what kind of prize you go to. And then there's like the fringe stuff, like Dogecoin and heaven knows what other coin. The alternatives to, to the alternative. Correct, exactly. Because Bitcoin's now the boomer coin, you know. So yeah, that, that, that word, <laughs> you're right. It does mean a lot of different things. And I can certainly say from my experience in corporate finance, you know, you can do investments in the private space that absolutely the risk varies from very low risk to very high risk. What people sometimes don't realize is the same is true in the public markets. There are very low risk investments. There are very, very speculative plays on a regulated stock exchange. Investing on a regulated exchange does not mean the thing always goes up. It does not mean you are safe from fraud and bad behavior. We've seen that. So absolutely, I think, you know, to give your money to a proper manager who understands this stuff and can find these transactions and has the correct experience in structuring these deals, the risk can be managed. And, and I imagine, do you know what we'll look at in, in, in months to come is, you know, stuff like securitization structures and how you look at different tranches to get different yields and all this interesting stuff. I mean, for our listeners, I can't tell you how interesting it's going to be. If you haven't been exposed to this stuff before, believe me, there is a very big wide world beyond equities and bonds. And it's, it's really fascinating. One additional thing to throw in there, and I, I've really enjoyed this chat, and I, I really look forward to chatting to you further about a lot of these things, is that alternatives need not be riskier. Alternatives are just not necessarily correlated or maybe just give you a differentiated payoff profile. Now, these are the kind of concepts we really try to communicate in magic markets to our listeners. So thanks for bringing that up. I mean, given the kind of categorization you've thrown out there, if I really look at it and reflect on it, I mean, a lot of the opportunities more recently in the context of stocks that are delisting off the JSE, for example, or even up here in North America, you know, stuff that all exists in the VC space, the exciting stuff, not necessarily the riskier stuff, generally tends to exist in the alternatives universe first and thereafter gets brought to the public markets. So I think the discussion we're having with Westbrook at this point in time is definitely quite timely in that investors need to be aware of what alternatives are. They need to be aware of how they can access these alternatives. And lastly, and most importantly, in terms of a wealth building exercise, investors need to be aware of the very important role that alternatives can play in their wealth creation journey. 
Yeah, look, the, mo- the, the one thing I will just re- reiterate and, and highlight to you there is you hit the nail on the head. Alternatives are not new, right? Alternatives are something that have been around for a long time. And the issue has been that previously they were opaque, they were very difficult to access. And so the historical environment of alternatives has been that you've seen the billionaires of the world using their sophisticated family office structures to get access to things that the ordinary man or woman can't get access to. And that, for me, is where the seismic shift is coming in the world of investing, which is that, you know, globally, you've already got bigger names. You've got the Blackstones and the Brookfields and the KKRs of the world. Westbrook locally is, we're on the journey to replicating that for South African investors. But the, the journey is to providing access to things you know, that you could not ordinarily get access to as a normal South African investor sitting on, on the southern tip of Africa. And hopefully, you know, in podcasts to come, we can unpack the different kinds of things that clients can look for and importantly, where they fit into a portfolio and what is right for you and what might not be right for you. Yeah. And that's what we're all about on Magic Markets is uh, access. I think that's what we are incredibly passionate about is that we firmly believe that retail investors deserve every chance to get access to all of the fancy stuff that institutions can. That's certainly what we do in Magic Markets Premium. We try and bring an institutional level product to a retail market. And I mean, do you know what Westbrook is doing is is exactly in our DNA, you know. Dino, before we actually wrap up the show, I think a very important point on the access is that quite often people's eyes glaze over when they hear alternatives or private equity and they believe, oh, that's for those very wealthy people. Talk to us about how Westbrook is changing that up in the South African market. How do you make this accessible? Because that's what we're about at Magic Markets is bringing the markets down to every single investor in terms of accessibility, understandability, and investability. Maybe take us through that very quickly before we wrap up the show. Yeah, look, it's a journey, Mo, I think is the is the is the answer. It's you know, if you look at in, in the world of private equity as an example, minimums are massive. They are five million rand, ten million rand, if not higher, and that just isn't feasible for the ordinary South African. The minimums ascribed to a product differ based on some of the legislative things that I've mentioned previously, but they also differ based on the appropriateness, I suppose, of a, of a particular product for a particular client. You know, if you're going into something massively risky and that requires a lot of homework being done beforehand, managers tend to put higher minimums on to protect clients from, you know, making making investments where they don't fully understand what they're getting into. However, if we were to take some learnings from the journey we had with Section 12J, our minimums in that particular asset class started at a million rand investment. And by the time the Section 12J regime ended, we were down to 100,000 rand per investment and and reducing. So I think what we'll see in South Africa is that begin as a trend to play out across other types of alternatives. It also varies depending on the jurisdiction and the currency and whether you're talking dollars or pounds or rands and so on. But certainly the, the momentum is to reduce those as far as possible. And there are also clever tricks which we can talk which we can talk about. You know, if you've got less to invest, go through a wealth manager. They are aggregators of client money into a single access point. We can we can certainly flesh that out in parts to come. 
Thanks, Dino. I think that's fantastic. And I mean, it's, it's really just the, the start of what I would like to think is a, a much more detailed discussion with yourself, with the team members at Westbrook over the coming weeks. Uh, so thanks so much for what's been a fascinating, very exciting and insightful show, certainly from, from our perspective. And we look forward to doing this over the coming uh, weeks and months. And one last point, I think, before we go, something that our listeners may have come across before is the concept of beta. They may have heard of this before when you say it's a high beta stock or a low beta stock. And that's a measure of correlation. And that's an important point here because what that is measuring is the way that stock moves in relation to the market. And the reality is you can be the best stock picker in town, but if the market is going to nosedive 30%, then the baby's going, the bathwater's going, you know, the little plug at the bottom is going, it's all going. It's just how it works. Some will be hurt more than others, but everything takes a nosedive. And I think that's the point with alternatives is the correlation, the beta against the general market is extremely low, if not zero because it's all tied up in illiquid private structures that are paying a set of cash flows that exist away from the market. And that's what makes it so interesting. So I think that's probably as much as we have time for, for this first show with you. It's gone so quickly. And I think that's going to be a a theme going forward. We really look forward to having other subject matter experts from Westbrook on the show. We're going to learn all about the different asset classes you're involved in, the way you look at investments. Someone out there listening right now might have an asset that Westbrook might end up investing in. We don't know yet. They might have money that they, they look forward to giving to you to invest on their behalf. There's a lot of opportunities here. And we'd like to thank you for coming on board with Magic Markets and really, really looking forward to the next few months. Remember to visit thefinancegoes.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.